Section 34 of Jataka Tales by H. T. Francis and E. J. Thomas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Wise Goat and the Jackal Once upon a time in the reign of Brahmadatta, king of Benares, many hundreds of wild goats dwelt in a mountain cave in a wooded district on the slopes of the Himalayas. Not far from their place of abode, a jackal named Putimamsa, with his wife, Veni, lived in a cave. One day, as he was ranging about with his wife, he spied those goats and thought, I must find some means to eat the flesh of these goats, and by some device he killed a single goat. Both he and his wife, by feeding on goat's flesh, waxed strong and gross of body. Gradually the goats were destroyed. Amongst them was a wise she-goat named Melamata. The jackal, though skillful in devices, could not kill her and taking counsel with his wife he said my dear all the goats have died out we must devise how to eat this she-goat now here is my plan you are to go by yourself and become friendly with her and when confidence has sprung up between you i will lie down and pretend to be dead then you are to draw nigh to the goat and say my dear my husband is dead and i am desolate except you i have no relative come let us weep and lament and bury his body and with these words come and bring her with you then i will spring up and kill her by a bite on the neck she readily agreed and after making friends with the goat when confidence was established she addressed her in the words suggested by her husband the goat replied, "'My dear, all my kinsfolk have been eaten by your husband. I am afraid. I cannot come.' "'Do not be afraid. What harm can the dead do you?' "'Your husband is cruelly minded, I am afraid.' But afterwards, being repeatedly importuned, the goat thought, "'He certainly must be dead,' and consented to go with her. But on her way there she thought, who knows what will happen and being suspicious she made the she-jackal go in front keeping a sharp lookout for the jackal he heard the sound of their steps and thought here comes the goat and put up his head and rolling his eyes looked about him the goat on seeing him do this said this wicked wretch wants to take me in and kill me he lies there making a pretense of being dead and she turned about and fled. When the she-jackal asked why she ran away, the goat gave the reason and spoke the first stanza. Why thus does Putimamsa stare? His look misliketh me. Of such a friend one should beware, and far away should flee. With these words she turned about and made straight for her own abode and the she-jackal, failing to stop her, was enraged with her, and went to her husband and sat down lamenting. Then the jackal, rebuking her, spoke the second stanza. Veni, my wife, has lost her wit. She boasts of friends that she has made. Left in the lurch she can but sit and grieve. My Mela's art betrayed." On hearing this, the she-jackal spoke the third stanza. You too, my lord, were hardly wise, and witless creature raised your head. 
staring about with open eyes, though feigning to be dead. But the she-jackal comforted Putimamsa and said, My lord, do not vex yourself. I will find a way to bring her here again, and when she comes, be on your guard and catch her. Then she sought the goat and said, My friend, your coming proved of service to us, for as soon as you appeared, my lord recovered consciousness, and he is now alive. Come and have friendly speech with him. And so saying, she spoke the fifth stanza. Our former friendship, goat, once more revive, and come with well-filled bowl to us, I pray. My lord I took for dead is still alive. With kindly greeting visit him to-day. The goat thought, This wicked wretch wants to take me in. I must not act like an open foe. I will find means to deceive her. And she spoke the sixth stanza. Our former friendship to revive, a well-willed bowl I gladly give. With a big escort I shall come, to feast us well, go hasten home. Then the she-jackal inquired about her followers, and spoke the seventh stanza. What kind of escort will you bring, that I am bid to feast you well? The names of all remembering to us, I pray you truly tell. The goat spoke the eighth stanza, and said, Hounds gray and tan, and four-eyed too, With jam-book form my escort true, Go hurry home and quick prepare For all abundance of good fare. Each of these, she added, Is accompanied by five hundred dogs, So I shall appear with a guard of two thousand dogs. If they should not find food, They will kill and eat you and your mate. On hearing this, the she-jackal was so frightened that she thought, I have had quite enough of her coming to us. I will find means to stop her from coming. And so she spoke the ninth stanza. Don't leave your house, or else I fear your goods will all soon disappear. I'll take your greeting to my lord. Don't stir, nay, not another word. With these words she ran in great haste as for her life, and, taking her lord with her, fled away, and they never durst come back to that spot. THE UNGRATEFUL SON Once upon a time, when Brahmadanta was king of Benares, there was in a family of a certain village of Kasi an only son named Vasitaka. This man supported his parents, and, after his mother's death, he supported his father, and has been described in the introduction. But there is this difference. When the woman said, Look there, that is your father's doing. I am constantly begging him not to do this and that, and he only gets angry. She went on, My lord, your father is fierce and harsh for ever picking quarrels. A decrepit old man like that, tormented with disease, is bound to die soon, and I can't live in the same house with him. He will die of himself before many days are out. Well, take him to a cemetery and dig a pit, throw him in and break his head with a spade, and when he is dead, shovel the earth upon him and leave him there. At last, by dint of this dinning in his ears, said he, Wife, to kill a man is a serious matter. How can I do it? I will tell you a way, quoth she. Say on, then. 
Well, my lord, at break of day, go to the place where your father sleeps. Tell him very loud that all may hear that a debtor of his is in a certain village, that you went and he would not pay you, and that if he dies the man will never pay at all, and say that you both will drive there together in the morning. Then at the appointed time get up and put the animals to the cart and take him into the cemetery. When you get there, bury him in a pit, make a noise as if you had been robbed, wound and wash your head, and return. Yes, uh, that plan will do, said Vasitaka. He agreed to her proposal, and got the cart ready for the journey. Now the man had a son, a lad of seven years, but wise and clever. The lad overheard what his mother said. My mother, thought he, is a wicked woman, and is trying to persuade father to murder his father. I will prevent my father from doing this murder. He ran quickly and lay down beside his grandsire. Vasitaka, at the time suggested by the wife, prepared the cart. "'Come, father, let us get that debt,' said he, and placed his father in the cart. But the boy got in first of all. Vasitaka could not prevent him, so he took him to the cemetery with them. Then, placing his father and his son together in a place apart with the cart, he got down, took spade and basket, and in a spot where he was hidden from them began to dig a square hole. The boy got down and followed him, and, as though ignorant what was afoot, opened a conversation by repeating the first stanza. "'No bulbs are here, no herbs for cooking meat, no catmint, nor no other plant to eat. Then, father, why this pit, if need be done, delve in death's acre mid the woods alone?' Then his father answered by repeating the second stanza. "'Thy grandsire, son, is very weak and old, oppressed by pain from ailments manifold. Him will I bury in a pit to-day.' In such a life I could not wish him stay. Hearing this, the boy answered by repeating a half stanza. Thou hast done sinfully in wishing this, and for the deed a cruel deed it is. With these words he caught the spade from his father's hands, and at no great distance began to dig another pit. His father, approaching, asked why he dug that pit, to whom he made a reply by finishing the third stanza. I, too, when thou art aged, father mine, will treat my father as thou treatest thine. Following the custom of the family, deep in a pit I, too, will bury thee. To this the father replied by repeating the fourth stanza. What a harsh saying for a boy to say, and to upbraid his father in this way, to think that my own son should rail at me, and to his truest friend unkind should be. When the father had thus spoken, the wise lad recited three stanzas, one by way of answer, and two as a solemn utterance. I am not harsh, my father, nor unkind. Nay, I regard thee with a friendly mind. But this thou dost, this act of sin, thy son will have no strength to undo again, once done. Whoso Vasita hurts with ill intent, his mother or his father innocent, he, when the body is dissolved, shall be in hell for his next life, undoubtedly. Whoso with the meat and drink, Vasita, shall his mother or father feed withal. He, when the body is dissolved, shall be in heaven for his next life, undoubtedly. 
the father, after hearing his son thus discourse, repeated the eighth stanza. Thou art no heartless ingrate, son, I see, but kindly-hearted, O my son, to me. T'was an obedience to thy mother's word, I thought to do this horrid deed abhorred. Said the lad, when he heard this, Father, women, when a wrong is done and they are not rebuked, again and again commit sin. You must bend my mother, that she may never again do such a deed as this. And he repeated the ninth stanza. That wife of yours, that ill-conditioned dame, my mother, she that brought me forth, that same, let us from out our dwelling far expel, lest she work other woe on thee as well. Hearing the words of his wise son, well pleased was Vasitaka, and saying, Let us go, my son, he seated himself in the cart with son and father, and set off. Now the woman, too, this sinner, was happy at heart, for, thought she, this ill luck is out of the house now. She plastered the place with wet cow dung, and cooked a mess of rice porridge. But as she sat watching the road by which they would return, she espied them coming. "'There he is, back with old ill-luck again,' thought she, much in anger. "'Fie, good for nothing!' cried she. "'What, bring back the ill-luck you took away with you?' Basitaka said not a word, but unyoked the cart. Then said he, "'Wretch, what is it that you say?' He gave her a sound drubbing, and bundled her head over heels out of doors, bidding her never darken his door again. Then he bathed his father and his son, and took a bath himself, and the three of them ate the rice porridge. The sinful woman dwelt for a few days in another house. Then the son said to his father, "'Father, for all this my mother does not understand. Now let us try to vex her. You give out that in such and such a village lives a niece of yours, who will attend upon your father and your son and you, so you will go and fetch her.' then take flowers and perfumes, set off with your cart, and ride about the country all day, returning in the evening. And so he did. The women in the neighbor's family told his wife this. Have you heard, said they, that your husband has gone to get another wife in such a place? Ah, then I am undone, quoth she, and there is no place for me left." but she would inquire of her son, so quickly she came to him and fell at his feet, crying, "'Save thee! I have no other refuge. Henceforward I will tend your father and grandsires. I would tend a beauteous shrine. Give me entrance into this house once more.' "'Yes, mother,' replied the lad. "'If you do no more as you did, I will. Be in earnest.' And at his father's coming he repeated the tenth stanza. That wife of yours, that ill-conditioned dame, my mother, she that brought me forth, that same, like a tamed elephant in full control, let her return again, that sinful soul. So said he to his father, and then went and summoned his mother. She being reconciled to her husband and the husband's father, was thenceforward tamed, and endued with righteousness, and watched over her husband and his father and her son and these two, steadfastly following their son's advice, gave alms and did good deeds, and became destined to join the hosts of heaven. End of section 34